0: Our song before the preaching of God's Word is number 127A, 127A in the Psalter, Unless the Lord the house shall build. We're going to sing stanzas 1, 3, and 4 of number 127A, and we'll stand to sing. The reading and preaching of God's Word this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 6. Please turn there in your pew Bibles uh, with me, Ephesians 6, we're reading just uh, a few verses there in that chapter, the first four, as the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, gives instructions uh, for a Christian home to children and their parents. Ephesians 6, this is God's holy Word, I'll begin here at verse 1, "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're going to end there in our reading of Scripture this morning. Well, it's been some time, but uh, some of you may recall that over the last six months or so uh, I've been preaching a short series on the topic of godly submission. Uh, Throughout the Bible God um, defines uh, various relationships that we have in life uh, in which we are either in a position of authority or more likely in a position of submission. In the first uh, sermon, we talked about the call of God for all of us to honor and submit to the overseers of our souls, the the elders and pastors of the church, and we are to do that for the Lord's sake. In the second sermon, we talked about the call to honor and obey our civil leaders, to bear patiently uh, with their shortcomings, again, for the Lord's sake. And then in the third sermon, we looked at the uh, institution of marriage and the call of God to wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord, and husbands, their call to submit to Christ by loving, giving themselves up for their wives. Well, today, this morning, uh, we come to the last sermon in that series on godly submission, And in our passage that I just read here, the Apostle Paul describes another relationship in which there is submission commanded uh, and uh, authority exercised, and that's the relationship uh, between parents and their children in the context of the family, uh, in the context of the Christian home. Sometimes when uh, children grow up and they they move out of the house, we we refer to their parents as empty nesters. Uh, We say their little birds uh, have flown the coop, so to speak. And behind that phrase, uh, there's an understanding of the Christian home, of a godly marriage, as something of a nest, something of a nest where where our our children, like little birds, uh, can grow and, and flourish and mature in the knowledge and the fear of the Lord before they set out to establish their own nest of sorts. By God's design, the Christian home is the primary context in which our children are guided and instructed in the Lord by their parents. And in that context, God says, children ought to obey their parents for Christ's sake. What We're going to notice this morning is that when that divine pattern is followed, when that pattern is obeyed, there's a great deal of blessing and joy in store for mothers and fathers and their children. And so, we see a couple things this morning. First, Paul gives instructions to children, and then he gives admonition specifically to fathers. Paul begins a section of his letter by, by turning his attention Uh, by directing his remarks directly to the children in the church. I think it's important for us to notice here that that Paul assumes that the local church is made up of entire families uh, that are gathering together for worship. They're coming together to sit under the preaching of God's Word and the instruction of His Word. I think Paul would have been shocked I think Paul would have been utterly dismayed at the practice of so many churches today that send their children out of the corporate worship of the church when it comes time for the preaching of the Word, for the sermon. We don't do that here for a very good reason. It's because our children belong here. Our children belong in this covenant gathering. They are responsible members of this church, whether by baptism or by profession. And so, kids, I want you to notice something this morning, that Paul has a Word from God specifically for you. All of God's Word is for you, of course, but Paul addresses you specifically this morning. And so, in this first part of the sermon, I want you boys and girls and young adults to listen very carefully Because God's Word is especially for you here. What we learn, boys and girls, first of all here, is that one of God's greatest desires, one of the things He delights in most, is that you obey mom and dad in everything. It's God's will that you willingly and joyfully live under the authority of mom and dad in the home. But I want you to notice the reason why, why God gives you this command. Notice God doesn't say here, obey your parents, boys and girls, because they're older and they're wiser and they're a lot more experienced than you are. Now, that's true. That is true. And that may be another good reason to obey your parents. But God's greater reason is this. He says in verse 1, obey your parents, children, in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. Boys and girls, you must obey mom and dad in the home because God says so. It's that simple. God says so. And what God says is always right. It's always good simply because He said it. Simply because He said it. God is the only one who gets to decide what is right and what is wrong. And He says it is good. It is right to obey your parents. When you obey them, boys and girls, you are obeying and pleasing the Lord. And when you disobey your parents, you are disobeying and displeasing God. And what that means, kids, is that you cannot love and serve Jesus if you do not obey your parents. You cannot love and serve Jesus if you do not obey your parents. That's the first lesson for you children and young adults this morning. You must obey your parents, not for your parents' sake alone, but for the sake of the Lord as part of your love, as part of your obedience to Jesus. Now, how does God call you to do that? How does He call you to obey your parents? Look with me at verse 2. Paul says, "'Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise.'" that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. I want to focus on the first part of that sentence. Honor your father and mother. Now, I hope those words sound familiar to you, boys and girls, because we read them every single Sunday morning. Um, This is one of the commandments of God's law. It's number five of the perfect ten. And God says something very important about your obedience here. He says, you aren't just to obey your parents in an outward way, kids, just doing what they say, but without any love, without any honor for them. Obeying mom and dad means having an inner attitude of honor and respect for your parents. You see, it's not really obedience if there's no honor or love involved. And so if mom or dad asks you to uh, dry the dishes, or, or take out the trash, or mow the grass, or wash the dog, and you do it, but you grumble the whole time, you complain about having to do that task, that's not the obedience that pleases God. If you do what mom and dad say, but but you do it because you're really hoping that mom and dad will give you something in return. Uh, obedience um, with selfish motives. Well, that's not the kind of obedience that God calls you to give. No, God commands you, boys and girls, to honor your parents by obeying them willingly, joyfully, quickly, without any hesitation, without any backtalk. God wants you to obey your parents out of gratitude, out of true love for them, and even more importantly, for God Himself who calls you to obey them. Well, boys and girls, God gives you one more reason to obey mom and dad, and He says that obeying and honoring your parents results in blessing. Obeying mom and dad results in blessing. Look at the second half of verse 2, He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. There's a promise attached to this commandment. Verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, boys and girls, maybe from Sunday school, you remember that when God first spoke this promise to the Israelites, this promise included long life, abundant life in the promised land of Canaan. But we know, don't we, from the rest of the Bible, that that life and that land that God was promising was far more than just the physical land of Canaan. God says that to those who love Him and obey Him out of thankfulness for their salvation in Jesus, God promises not just physical life but eternal life on this earth that He's going to remake into a beautiful new heavens and earth for us to enjoy with Him. And so when you obey mom and dad out of love for God, you show to everyone around you that you already have this eternal life through Jesus. You show God's blessing on your life when you obey your parents. Now, let's be honest, boys and girls, young people. Sometimes it's hard to obey mom and dad. Uh, They aren't even close to being perfect. Uh, They are sinners just like you and me. Your parents make mistakes. They don't always listen. They don't always understand uh, the way they should. And their rules might not make sense to you right now. But Jesus calls you to be patient with your moms and dads. He calls you to obey them for His sake. After all, isn't that what Jesus did Himself? You may remember, boys and girls, that Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, were somewhat upset with Him when He stayed back in Jerusalem after the Passover. He didn't go home with them right away to Nazareth, and they didn't understand why He needed to be in the temple learning and growing. But we read in Luke 2 that after that event, Jesus went down with them. He came home with them to Nazareth, and He was submissive to them. He obeyed them. He honored them. And so when you struggle to, put, uh, to obey mom and dad, put your faith, put your trust in Jesus Christ and ask Him for the strength to love and to submit to and honor your parents. Jesus was the only one who ever perfectly obeyed His parents, and He will give you all you need to live a life that's pleasing to God and pleasing to mom and dad. But boys and girls, you aren't the only ones who have obligations straight from God in the family. As much as Christian parents or Christian children are commanded to honor their parents, Christian parents, fathers in particular, are commanded to discipline and instruct their children well according to God's will. And the Bible, of course, is full of instructions for both parents, mom and dad, uh, to rule their children. But we notice something here in verse 4, that the apostle singles out fathers and their role in the home. Now, mothers, that does not give you license this morning to sit there and gloat and poke dad and say, See, I told you. That's not the point. Because certainly the apostle's words here apply to mothers as well. But the apostle addresses himself especially to fathers, and I'm going to do that as well. That's going to be my focus in the second part of this sermon. I think the reason the apostle Paul does this here is because, fathers, you are the the heads of your home. You are the spiritual leader and authority in your home, and God says, fathers, that you are chiefly responsible for the discipline and the instruction of your children. Look at verse 4 with me. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You notice there's really two parts uh, to Paul's instructions to fathers here. They boil down to two things. First, Paul says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. The apostle says, be careful to avoid any attitudes, any words, any actions that would incite anger, incite rebellion in your children. And there are perhaps a number of ways in which fathers might do that. They might frustrate their children, alienate their kids, um, set their children against their authority. There's a number of ways, and the first one that I can think of here is a common one, and it's a well-meaning one. And that is that fathers can incite their children to anger by being overprotective of them. Now, to be sure, there are times, especially when our children are very young and they haven't learned any lessons yet, there is time for parents to warn their children, to protect them, to guard them from great danger. But sometimes, especially as our children grow older, It's a tendency for fathers to to stifle the ability of their children to make personal decisions, good or bad, decisions that are necessary for them to grow physically and spiritually and morally and mentally. And we stifle their ability sometimes to make those decisions for themselves. This past week, I was um, grabbing some food from a restaurant. I was waiting for it to be delivered to me. I was sitting in the restaurant, and I like to people watch, and so I was sitting there nonchalantly watching the beautiful people of the world there in the restaurant, and across the room there was a young man, probably in his early 20s, sitting and having breakfast with his parents. And he appeared to be somewhat of a sickly young man, he was fairly thin, he was eating a salad for breakfast, which can only assume mean he was not feeling very well. And his dad had just received his plate of food piled high with meat and, and potatoes and all sorts of hearty breakfast foods. And the father was oohing and awing how great his meal was. And he said to his son, you know, you'd feel a lot better if you ate the stuff that I eat. Um, you, you just hand your diet over to me for a couple of weeks and I'll have you feeling better than ever. And he pushed his plate in front of his son and said, here, try some. What did his son learn? Dad always knows best. I can't make meaningful decisions even about what kind of food appeals to me without his approval. Fathers, guard your children, certainly if you must, but don't stifle their ability to make personal decisions, to grow in their ability to make personal decisions. Another way that fathers can stifle their children or or provoke them to anger is by showing favoritism in the home, by favoring one child over another because that child fits dad's image more than the rest. That can incite children uh, to to anger, uh, to resentment in the home. Another way children are provoked to anger is when they feel that they are being neglected by their fathers. It's very easy dads to come home after a busy uh, week of work, a busy day of work, and to kind of cloister ourselves away in our own uh, leisurely pursuits, and our own interests and passions. God calls us to at least enjoy or engage with the interests and the passions of your children. Let your children know that you care about what they care about, and then finally, of course. Our children can be provoked to anger if we are angry in the home, if we are cruel as fathers, if we discourage our children rather than build them up. Yes, we are to command obedience in the home, but we can do that. We must do that with tenderness and compassion. In other words, fathers, use your authority in the home not to manipulate your children, not to crush their spirits. Exercise your authority, exercise your influence in the home to affirm your children, to build them up so that they learn that they are unique persons in their own right, that they have worthwhile ideas and abilities and goals. Be careful to exercise your authority in the home in a firm way, yes, but with encouragement, with tenderness towards your children. Rule your household in such a way that submitting to you as a form of submitting to God is an attractive thing, is a desirable thing for your children. Paul begins with sort of a negative instruction for, ch- for fathers. Don't provoke your children to anger. But He doesn't stop there. He supplements it, secondly, by urging Christian fathers to bring up, to nurture their children in the discipline and in the instruction or the admonition of the Lord. And that means fathers that sometimes, occasionally, Uh, You are called to discipline your children. You're called to chastise them, to correct them, to to lovingly and firmly discipline them for for their error, their sin, to set them back on the path of righteousness. And thankfully, God does that for all of us. He's a God who disciplines those whom He loves, those He calls sons and daughters. Sometimes you'll be called to discipline. Fathers, you are always called on a daily basis without end to instruct your children in the ways of the Lord through the means that God has given you to do that. And I want you to notice here, fathers in particular, that the instruction that Paul talks about here is not just general principles for life. You know, our society generally recognizes that that fathers, if they give them any task at all these days, They should teach their children some practical skills, some general principles for life, general lessons. But that's not the kind of instruction Paul's talking about here. Paul says, fathers, you are to give your children the instruction of the Lord, of the Lord. This is uniquely Christian, Christ-centered instruction." And so, as important as it is for you fathers to teach your children how to read and write and do math, as meaningful as it is for you to help them with their science projects and teach your son how to work on the family car, perhaps, as meaningful as those family vacations are or the surfing trips or the time spent in the desert or on the water, as meaningful as those are, they cannot, they must not replace the command of God for you fathers to give your children specifically Christian instruction. You were to teach your children about Christ. You were to teach your children the truth of His Word. And of course, that kind of instruction, that kind of teaching may take place and can take place, thankfully, within the context of the church. Thankfully, it can take place in the context of Christian day school, but it must take place, particularly, especially within the home. The instruction of Christ must come from godly fathers whose own lives are being daily shaped by God and His Word. And what that means, fathers is that on some basic level, you must be a theologian in your home. You must be a theologian in your home. You must grow up. You must mature in your ability to to lead the hearts of your children to the heart of Jesus Christ. And obviously, none of us are up to that task. That's a daunting task if we approach it in and of ourselves, but we can grow in that because God has given us so many ways to be equipped, to grow up in our ability to instruct our children in the Lord. He's given us His Word that we are called to read on a daily basis, to deepen our understanding of it and our love for it. God calls us to to lead our families as fathers into the worship of the Lord whenever the elders call us to worship so that we might grow in our ability to instruct our children in the Lord. Our church provides a host of adult classes and, and Bible studies for adults so that you can gather with brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ to grow in your ability to know God's Word and to teach it to your children. Make use of those tools. There are a host of wonderful literature out there written by men and women who can give you wisdom on how to rear your children in the fear of the Lord. Fathers, you are called to be the theologian of your home. You are a representative of Christ. To your children as you exercise both discipline and nurture which are really two sides of the same coin they can't be separated and christ says you must be a good representative of me you must be an able equipped representative of christ and in order to do that you must know his word so that you can teach it to your children but perhaps the most important part of your children's training, the most important part of their growth and their ability to submit to you in the home is the influence of your Christian submission to the authority figures in your life. Fathers, mothers as well, of course, you're included. Your children are looking for a noble example of Christian life and conduct. They will know how to submit to your authority in the home if they see you submitting to the authorities in your life. And that should raise some important questions in your mind. Fathers, do you respect, do you speak well of the elders and the ministers of this church? Do you submit to them willingly as to the Lord? Do you willingly submit to these caretakers of your souls when they give you spiritual counsel, when they call you to, uh, to worship every Lord's Day? Do you respect the offices of your civil leaders? You may dis- disagree with their policies, to be sure, but do you respect their office? Wives, do you honor and respect your husbands? Do you build them up or do you tear them down? Husbands, do you love your wives more than yourselves? Do you model the self-sacrificing affection of Christ for His church? I ask these questions because your children are watching you. They're watching you. And I dare say that the degree to which they respect your authority in the home might just reflect the kind of submission they perceive in your own life to the rulers that God has placed over you. If you don't respect the elders of this church, if you speak negatively about them on a regular basis in your home, if you resist their calls to worship, don't be surprised if your children do not honor and submit to you in your home. If you belittle and mock the civil leaders of this country, calling them all sorts of unchristian names, don't be surprised if your children don't speak well of you and your authority in the home. If your marriage doesn't reflect Christ's love for His church and the church's submission to Christ, don't be surprised if your children don't take your rules seriously in the home. Paul says it's primarily in the home under the oversight of godly fathers, not first in the church, not first in the school, but in the home that your children are going to find a noble example of Christian submission to God and to His appointed rulers in your life. Yes, in these few verses, just four of them, God gives us rules for a Christian home. And they're good instructions. They are right instructions because they come directly from God Himself who is the fountain of all goodness and all righteousness and He knows what's good for us. He knows what's best for us. And these rules show the way of a blessed life, a life of of harmonious fellowship with one another and with God. That's why we started, boys and girls, by addressing you because God calls you to obey your parents for the Lord's sake with loving and willing hearts, with honor for your parents, parents, fathers in particular, God calls you to love, to instruct, to discipline, to set an example for your children for the Lord's sake. And we've acknowledged this morning that all of us are weak. We are insufficient to attain these things in and of ourselves. But the Lord who made us, the Lord who has built our families, is the same God who has recreated our stubborn wills and has given us hearts of love for Him. And so cast your cares upon Him, cast your needs upon Him, cast the troubles of your home and marriage on your Lord Jesus Christ because He promises to build your homes into happy and healthy places characterized by enduring trust and faith and dependence upon Him. Praise God for His wise instructions and admonitions and for His promise to complete His good work in us and our families. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for the good instruction of Your Word. It does not exist to discourage us. It does not exist to condemn us. It exists to guide us in the path of blessedness for us and for our families. Thank You that You instruct us, You admonish us, You also rebuke us, and You call us to once again take up the callings that You have given to us as children, as parents, fathers in particular. We pray now as we go forth into this day and into this year that we would seek to grow more and more in our love for You, in our our obedience to Your good commandments that we would make use of the means that You have given to us, the tools that we need to grow in our ability to be obedient sons and daughters and godly fathers to give discipline and instruction in the Lord. We thank You for our Lord Jesus Christ, His perfect obedience in our place, for the promise that He will complete His work in us until the day of Christ Jesus. It's in His name that we pray, amen.